Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. I'm so excited, you guys. Today, Joyce the Dentist, the legendary Joyce the Dentist, is here for her second time on this podcast to share with us all of her awesome tips. This one's for the new grads. We talk about all of the awesome communication tips that new grads need to know about building trust with patients, communicating uh, in a way that is authentic to you, and also the art of captivating whoever you're in front of, whether it's your patients or also social media, because as we know, Joyce the Dentist is an absolute guru when it comes to social media, especially for healthcare providers. We also talk about keeping things fresh and exciting, and I'm just excited for you guys to hear this because I am such a huge fan. I look up to Joyce so much as a good, dear mentor and friend. So without further ado, on to the main episode with Joyce the Dentist. Psst, okay, wait, I'm back. Also, if you guys enjoy what you hear, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Okay, now on to the main episode. Hee <laughs> hee. Okay, so Joyce, the other day I was at lunch at work and I was with the other dentist and the hygienist and we were all laughing about how awkward it is in the beginning when you first start. You just like say the most awkward things and it's just, it's a lot of awkwardness. I wanted to know, looking back when you were a new grad, do you remember any of these like communication mistakes or just awkward things in the very beginning? (laughs) You know what I used to say that was like, now that I look back, I'm like, hmm. I used to explain something to a patient and then and then I would say, does that make sense? And mm-hmm. I didn't mean anything by it, but now I look back and I'm like, that sounds kind of condescending. So oh, I don't say that anymore. I like I really try to be like, <clears throat> I don't ask them like, did that make sense? Because <laughs> it really like puts them on the spot, makes them like feel a little bit anxious and it kind of, yeah. you know, depending like a on test. how they are. Yeah. So now like I'll, I'll just start talking like, um, like prefacing it, like just trying to explain what's going on. And then this is more educational, you know, it's more collaborative or whatever. Like if you have any questions, like stop me, like I don't mind this time is set aside for you. Um, cause I really want to get you up to speed and just to get to know each other, stuff like that. Instead mm. of like me, 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 did that make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, sometimes I, I was talking to my boss about this the other day and he's like, I was talking for way too long and it gets to a point too, because you have so much you want to share with them and so much that you want to understand. But then at some point you kind of just start sharing things that like they didn't need to know. And then they're like, okay, wait, what's going on? Looking back, was there anything that was like really hard for you to kind of like describe or anything that you felt like in the beginning was harder to not necessarily explain, but like for me, for example, with crowns in the real world, like in school, we used to see like fractured teeth and do crowns when there was like big cavities, like big obvious things. Mm -hmm. But now in the real world, it's like, you know, I'm recommending crowns when I see big fracture lines and things like that. And just things that look less than ideal when the patient's like, well, I feel fine. And like, I don't think I need this replaced. Did Mm -hmm. you ever go through that? Yeah. And I think it really depends on the patient. Like I know some people don't do this, but I I think it's important to read somebody. Like some people just don't, they're not mentally in the headspace to want to know what what to do to fix everything. Like they're just like, I'm mm. not like, that, that's not where I'm at. And some people like really like every small thing they want to know, they want to fix it. They want to be ahead of the game. So one of the phrases I use often is like, we is I'll explain like what's going on with the crack or whatever and I'll be like you know it's a fine balance between being proactive um because mm. we want to be proactive but we don't want to be aggressive 
So mm-hmm. I think like differentiating between those two words, for some reason, those two words resonate with patients because they don't want mm. somebody who's just jumping on something and like doing it because like in the, in the near, near future or like far, far away, it might Someday. break. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just like, it, it, and it instills so much fear. It's like, I think um, using those two words and also like giving some prognosis, right? Like, mm. I think that's so hard to do in the beginning is like, we, we kind of like scare the shit out of like every patient. Like if you don't do this, it's going to break. But um, I think it's like nice to say like, you don't know, we don't know when it's going to break. But like right now, the crack from what it looks like, what we can see, it looks like smaller. So um, I think you should plan for this mm. rather than like, let's get started today, which is like yeah. in Byron's world uh, over in corporate that's what they're taught to do is like same day start same day start <laughs> like yeah, yeah. for us you're like oh well you know you could probably go you probably don't want to go too long but like you know like be be a, be a be a person and just like explain so that you're not scaring them i i know i feel like so much about what people perceive as being like a good dentist is actually like nothing to do with the dentistry you do it's about like can you be a person and explain things in ways that people understand like how has your communication style really changed since you started as a new grad oh it's changed a lot I think when Mm. I worked for other people I would just have I I had to use whatever they had like they didn't have Mm. intraoral cameras a lot of times and stuff like that um I did work at like nicer places where they had monitors in front of the patient which is like kind of like normal now but back then it wasn't as normal and Mm. I would just grab like a piece of paper and a pen and I would draw draw animations for them um which is a little harder I think these days with what I do in my office like we take the intraoral camera little photos and Mm. we take the x-rays obviously but we also have an itero so um between all of those you can really get the patient to be part of the conversation like do you see this thing like and (laughs) i think they they actually they either want to throw up seeing their own teeth like they're like no (laughs) i don't want to see their teeth or they're very involved like oh my god i've never seen the inside of my tooth i've never seen a cavity and one of the things i do regularly like my assistant will set this up is like when i'm doing fillings i will take a photo or like any any sort of procedure i'll take a photo before and then during like like right when you open the the tooth up and you see the Mm. cavity like I'll take a photo of that so they know there was cavity I'm not like I'm not bullshitting them and then when the cavity's all cleaned up I'll show them because I think a lot of patients are like sometimes they come in and I they go like oh I don't think my other dentist took out all the cavity I'm like you will not have that problem here like I took it all (laughs) out and this is the photo for that and then at the end I show them the photo of like the after and then I'll show them the before again and I'll show them the after and I'll be like (laughs) and then some sometimes they're like like, wow, that okay. looks so good. And sometimes you're just like, okay. <laughs> when I do my, my recalls and I see like a filling uh-huh. or something I did from a long time ago, I'll be like, this filling so, looks so good. <laughs> That's so funny. You're like, wow, look at those margins. <laughs> like, look at the work I did. And they'll be like, oh, it's, it's good. They don't care, but <laughs> that, they're like, really That makes me feel so much better to know that like, a thriving successful dentist that has been doing this for many years like does that the same way I do because I feel I I used to think like oh maybe am I too like validation hungry but like it's not for the validation it's like I want them to see the before and after and the ones that really appreciate it like I want them to get that from their visit you know it's super exciting I think like if you think about how long 
we have to work as de- have to work as dentists. Yeah. Like how many student loans we have, we have to work for so long. You have to like train your mind to keep things exciting. Otherwise, like imagine 10 years down the road and you're like, you're like, you don't look at your fillings anymore in that same way. That's so sad. <laughs> that is so, oh my God. Okay, you and I are on the same wavelength with this because like one of my big overarching goals is to always like try to find that spark and keep that alive. Obviously it's easy now for me because I really am just getting started. But I, I was actually curious. I have one to ask you besides the pictures and showing them the, showing them the before and after. How do you like keep that spark alive? Because you're someone that genuinely you can tell you really love what you do. Oh, uh, well, to be honest, you know, it's not easy all the time. I think, I think what we have is sort of like, kind of just the way that we are a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? Like we want to do better and like, we do want to people please a little bit. Totally. (laughs) We want people to be happy. We want to make things a little bit more beautiful than when they first came in. And we take pride in the things that we do, um, in a good way, like in a measured way. Uh, but yeah, as time goes on, it gets harder and harder. It really does. Cause like, you know, fillings are, they're so like, there's so many of them. <laughs> like <laughs> by the time you get to, I'm 13 years out. When I see an MOD on the schedule, I'm like, why did I, why did I diagnose that? Like, uh, why can't people stop getting cavities? I don't want to do fillings like this anymore. So there's a natural progression. Like I, I started narrowing my scope to doing more cosmetic work at a certain point because that's, that's what thrills me still because it's actually like kind of hard because patients are all so different and they all want like what they perceive as beauty is different and Mm. I think that still keeps me on my toes and then when I do a filling here or there I'm like this is easy and and like oh so still still so satisfying because it put the patient in a better place and they don't know that you know I'm doing this for them yeah when you are meeting patients I feel like like you know getting to know people and having like good conversation you know when you walk away sometimes and you feel energized from that convo you're like that was a good time in that room I almost feel like it's kind of like a dance you know it's like you're giving them information they're giving you information what is it about patients that you're trying to read and learn about them and what is it that you're trying to like exude and show them about yourself hmm so what's interesting about these days is people a lot of patients come in knowing a lot about me like they've been watching me (laughs) on Instagram and stuff so the conversations are a little different because it's like they kind of know what I'm all about but they don't they don't like come out and say like I follow you on Instagram like they're holding that in but they they kind of know what I'm all about and a lot of times I'll I do go in realizing that most of the patients found me through Instagram Um, but still you have to start from scratch and with 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 each and every person and some people are more like willing to connect with you right away and some people even if they found some amount of trust to reach out to you from Instagram they still need that full circle moment where mm. you are the right provider for them and so a lot of it is trying to read to read them um, which is a very difficult answer because sometimes I'm wrong too with, with the reading <laughs> them, but like 
there are some things that you notice about people, especially in Newport mm. Beach. Like, I can tell when somebody is well off right away. Mm. Maybe, like, I can smell it. <laughs> and, Literally. <laughs> I can smell it and, uh, yeah, and uh, the ones who are really rich or sometimes you can't really tell until you talk to them mm. a little bit and they're the most kind of, like, humble too. Like, mm. some of the workout guys, you they come in looking like bums and they're actually, like, so rich. But I can tell <laughs> somehow. Yeah. But I, I've found that how rich somebody is isn't like always an indicator of um, whether they want to do the treatment. So you still have to mm-hmm. like start from scratch and develop that relationship with them. And I always start off the conversation kind of with an open-ended question. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of puts them on their toes a little bit, but I like to see what they say. So when I walk in, I'll say like, what can I help you with? And, um, like they're there for like a checkup and cleaning. So they're kind of like, they're kind of like stumped. Like, what is she going to help me with? It's checkup and cleaning. And they're like, this is the next step. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes, um, if they take a long time, a lot of times they're thinking what, because their mind is like, it's just a checkup and cleaning. So if it takes them too long, they'll be like, is it a checkup and cleaning? And they'll be like, yeah. But the ones that like have something they want to fix, like they want, Mm. they want whitening or they like something's been really bugging them. Like that's when the weirdest things come out and that's when you can address it. So it gives them like the open-ended question where it's kind of like, I'm not sure is, is it's like the balls in their court and they're going to let me know where we're going to go with this today. Mm, I feel like so much, you know, they, they, they teach you like ask those open-ended questions, but like, I think what I like wasn't expecting, I guess, is the amount of discomfort in those moments of silence and what I'm trying to work on is being okay with that discomfort because it's it's like, you know, those are valuable moments of silence or like it gives them time to think. But me, like trying to have a normal conversation with someone as if it's like a party, I'm like, is it this? Is it that? How about this? I'm like, Connie, like let them talk. Even if it's uncomfortable, like it's important, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think silence is so, so underrated. Like even before we started, was it during the podcast or before we started the podcast, we were, we were talking about like, how when somebody's taking time to answer a question that like little pocket Mm -hmm. of silence when they're thinking that's that's also really valuable and patients do the same thing where like they sometimes need to think about it and then you know what is really important is like you give them permission like later on be like okay well if you want to tell me later you can you can think about it let's go over the x-rays and then you let me know later um also like reading a patient sometimes they're not they're just not mentally ready to commit to anything so like sometimes I'll be on a tooth and I'll be like we could do a filling on this or we could do an only on this or we could do whatever on this and then I'll tell them like all the pros and cons and then like traditionally we like just look at them and try to see like which one they're going to choose but it like really puts them on the spot sometimes so then I'll just say like hey you can think about it and then let me know I'll put both of these on there as options I um, I just want you to know the benefits of each one. And then obviously there's a financial c- component. So I'll put both of these on there. And then you can talk to Sue. And then when you're ready, you let us know um, when you want to get started. And then another phrase mm-hmm. I often say is, um, you, you let me know. For whatever reason, people really, really like that. Especially like when I'm in the middle of a procedure or before I start the procedure, if I say like... Um, 
I don't know why. You let me know. You let me know. In the beginning, I remember. I mean, like, obviously, I'm still in the beginning. But there have been times where I've walked out of the room and been like, I'll see you for that crown. And then I walked out. I'm like, why did I say that? Because, like, I, like, and it'll be in a case where, like, we didn't really confirm how certain they were. So now I feel like I just left the room being pushy. Whereas if I had done the you let me know approach and, like, kind of made them feel like the ball was more in their court that probably would have gone a little smoother. I, I've had a lot of instances recently, at least. Maybe because it's still fresh in my mind where I'll walk out of the room and be like, eh, don't say that next time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's just always giving the permission back to the patient because ultimately, like, I I built my practice in a way where I don't really, I don't, I don't really, ugh, this is such a bad thing to say because hmm. it's a business ultimately, but I've just never been very pushy in my life. And... I don't like being pushy. It, I, I hate, I hate being pushy. So it's not good for business because we're, for dentists, we kind of have to be a little bit pushy to get them to do certain things. But um, ever since I pivoted more so to cosmetic dentistry, that's like where I make the money mm-hmm. to to keep my practice afloat. So all the other stuff is kind of like cherry on top stuff. Mm. So I'm like, when you're ready, you let me know. And Mm -hmm. it just, like, diffuses the pressure that patients put on themselves to, like, come up with the money and do the procedure and do it, like, in a timely fashion. Otherwise, they're going to make me mad or whatever it is. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, like, every practice is different, but the way that I felt that so hard, what you just said, because I'm not a pushy person either, I think being, like, a young Asian female, it's just (laughs) such a, like, it's so hard for me because I feel like (laughs) my whole life... I've kind of been, whether, you know, it's society or things like that, I've been raised to feel like, okay, don't be too much, don't be too aggressive, don't be too pushy, too much to this, to that. But then there comes a point where you're absolutely right. Like, it sounds horrible to say, but I mean, it is, everything's a business to a certain extent, okay? Mm -hmm. We live in a capitalist society, but also, like, my interests are in the best interest of the patient. I heard something on a podcast where it's like, if you really believe in the work you're doing and the recommendations you're making, let's say for that crown with the big fracture, if you really do believe that it will make their life better, then it is your imperative to be as persuasive as possible. Because, but I think that's the challenge for me personally, is as a new grad, you know, there's so much going on, and I hate to admit this, but like, Obviously, from dentist to dentist, obviously you're not that confident in the beginning if like what you're doing is actually beneficial. They're like, so so I'm sure over time you're confident like, yes, I will deliver. This is what's best for you. That's stuff that experience gives you. But for me personally, I'm just like, yeah, do this. This is best for you. And I'm like, I hope I can deliver, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, to- I totally get that. It's like you're not sure yet. But more than likely, you will be putting that patient in a better spot and, like, just letting them know, like, when you're ready, I got you. Like, this I got you attitude is so Mm. well-received by patients because they, like, all they want is to trust their dentist and to know that they're making the best decisions possible for you. A lot of patients are scared that it's always a business decision. And Mm. so... um, I noticed that when you come in with this, like, when you're ready, I got you sort of attitude, they do open up. Like, I had a patient yesterday, and she said she said something to me like, um, what did she say? She said, I trust you inherently. Like, I made it a recommendation to her. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's, That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Literally, like, it's 
it's moments like that. I like can't contain my reaction sometimes. Like I wish I could be like, yeah, my patients always trust me. But sometimes when they say <laughs> things, I'm like, you trust me? I'm like, ah, I'm gonna call my mom after this and tell her. I like um, call, I call my mom and I tell her. Actually. <laughs> Stop! That's so funny. <laughs> wow, I'm really just getting a glimpse into hopefully what my future will someday look like. <laughs> Still calling our moms, basically. I tell my mom everything. <laughs> You know, with being a new grad too, this is really just becoming like a whole new grad discourse, but I'm just so curious. Another thing that's like new from, you know, versus school is now you're on a team with like hygienists, assistants, the front desk, and it's kind of like overnight you're given this diploma and then you're thrust into this position where like all of a sudden I feel like I'm like, I, I, have, I have to develop leadership skills to work on this team. What are some of your top communication tips when it comes to like effectively, efficiently running a successful team? Hmm. <laughs> You're like hire a good team. <laughs> I. It's actually so important to hire a good team. I. <sighs> this is one of the things that I struggle with the most is uh, leading a team. I think I'm pretty mm. good at dentistry. I hope, or at least I try so hard with the dentistry part. The leading a team thing doesn't come naturally to me because mm. I'm an awkward person and <laughs> I have very high expectations of myself and I kind of like transfer those to other people. And sometimes the mm. way that I say things, like I've, I've really had to learn to develop a little bit more tact when I'm talking to people because uh, like especially my dental assistants, I... Everyone else on the team, I've been able to hold their positions for a really, really long time. For mm. a long time, when I was first became a practice owner, I was replacing dental assistants like left and right. And really? um, I thought it was because they all sucked. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I also realized I, I failed a lot of dental assistants along the way myself because I was not the best leader and I was micromanaging them a lot. Now, this comes all boils down to like having the right fit in your office mm. as well, because if it's not the right fit, it's just not going to work. That's all about like knowing yourself and knowing, um, giving, giving certain people a chance. And then if it doesn't work, it's fine. Cut, right. cut it. But like the ones that you find that you love, you retain them. You like appreciate them and retain them. And for me, one of the things that's hardest for me is like telling people I appreciate them or that they're doing such a good job. It's just not the way that I was raised. And so uh, that's where I really, really struggle as a leader. And my dental assistant, I hope that she knows that I uh, really appreciate her. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm working on it. I'm, I do try, like even if the words sound so uh, coming out of my mouth, <laughs> I try to tell her, like, you're so good at this or, like, and I always try to, like, affirm her in front of patients as well. Like, mm. they'll be like, oh, I can tell you guys work really well together. I'm like, yes, she's, she knows. she's like, basically a dentist. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> which I, I feel like she's very educated at this point with, like, dentistry. And when I first hired her, she didn't have too many, um, too much experience. But what I learned about being a micromanager is, like, I think I heard this on a podcast too, like 20% mm. of, um, oh, so like people will do the job up to like 80%. And that last 20% is more like to your taste or to how you would prefer it to be. And so that's when you start to micromanage people when really oh. the, the, 
the amount that they did is actually just fine. And that 20%, somebody could learn that over a period of time, but they'll never ever get it like 100% correct. So you have right. to come down and meet them like halfway as long as they can do like the 80%, the big chunk of it. And then the rest you work on together. And if they don't get it all the time, like that's not on them. It's your taste, it's your preference. And it's very difficult to expect somebody else to like nail that all the time. That's so powerful. So what you're saying is like the things that we're harping on, it's most likely that 20% where it's like that, that really is not making that difference, but that's like your preference. And those are like your little spice and things that you're adding to it, but that's not what's going to like not move the needle basically. Yeah. And I think dentists, we all live in the 20%. Like we're very (laughs) Mm -hmm. detail oriented and we like things. the way we like things so it's hard for it's hard for dentists and I can't imagine it's easy for dental assistants (laughs) oh my god yeah and it's funny because I feel like there's something about the dental environment I don't know what it is I remember being like a pre-dent watching and like you know like there's times where you see like dentists like storm off or like I've heard stories of people like throwing things and yelling and as a pre-dent you're just kind of clueless you're like wow why did why are these people getting so mad (laughs) now I'm like in the middle of a procedure I'm like I need this quickly or else like this isn't gonna dry in time and then like you're just there's so many thoughts going on your head at once part of what I wanted to chat about you with is I feel like all of this boils down to communication getting people to listen when you're talk getting their attention and having them, you know, just hear you for what you're saying. Uh, And I feel like so much of this is actually applicable and part of your success on social media. I mean, like literally everyone knows Joyce the Dentist, everyone that I talk to, I have all my friends being like, oh my God, like, you know, Joyce the Dentist. Yeah, no. I wanted to hear all the tips from you about what are some good communication tips for someone out there wanting to like establish their authority in their space and just start building their brand. The way that I approach social media is like, value-driven stuff Hmm. for whatever reason video when you say something on video it's very authoritative for people Hmm. so like if you can make a video about xyz it builds a lot of trust with people it's like all of a sudden you are an authority when nobody else used people never used to give you the time of day now you're an authority and i kind of like get inquiries from media outlets for quotes like if you look up Joyce my name now I'm in like Yahoo and Forbes and like all of these media outlets that I never would have had the opportunity to be interviewed for and really when you boil it down um I own like a really small two-chair practice I was like really struggling to grow the practice because I didn't know how to run a business when I first took over And then for me to now be like somebody that people reach out to for my opinion and my thoughts in the industry, it's kind of like crazy. So I think um, a lot of people try to grow on social media with like those viral videos that make you like funny videos and stuff like that. And I think like that's Mm -hmm. nice if that's part of your personality, but like building value is always going to do well in terms of like getting patients to come in through the door and like building a professional Mm. brand i think about i mean dentistry aside even i think about what you've done for is his name tony you posted him on your (laughs) profile dude tony is like incredible i was like follow i was following the story so you guys joyce helped out tony when he had i think like 200 followers and like literally overnight after like what like a 30 minute consult with him 
he blew up to like now he's at like 40,000 followers. I, I was like, even you, you were like, damn, I'm good. I know. I'm like shocked. <laughs> I just think that's incredible. Um, I'm curious, like, I don't know how many pages you've audited or things like that, but what are common mistakes that you're seeing people making out there? And how can they become like the Tonys? <laughs> oh, I don't, oh, well, so Tony, um, the, re- the way I even connected with Tony is that the guy that does like my blog and stuff, he does marketing mm-hmm. and I did it as a favor to him. Obviously I was paid for it, but I don't actually want to be a consultant, even though it makes mm. it sound like, like he shouted me out for the consulting I did, but I don't want to be a consultant. That's just another thing where I'm trading time for money and honestly Got I make it. more doing dentistry per hour. So it doesn't make really a lot of sense for me to do, but I, I love social media and I, I nitpick everything so um (laughs) i find that it's really really fun for me to do especially for people like him what he's gaining from 20 minutes is it's not actually like a tactical change it's more of like a mindset shift that's all you can get from 20 minutes 20 minutes is like too fast to actually learn how to do instagram Mm. um but it's so exciting for me to see people grow and people do ask me to look at their pages and for a lot of people, their pages are actually just fine, perfectly fine. It's just that they want fast forward five years. They want ah. it faster than what they're getting it. So, but then there are other people like Tony where he's posted 124 videos and only grown to 200 followers. It's, it's he's, he's trying. He just, mm. and he's putting out the videos. He's just not like it, something wasn't clicking and that's, where like great things happen. I'm surprised myself because I am a slow poke with growing. Like I grow consistently mm. because I'm consistent with making videos, but I've never like really gone so viral that I just blow up um, overnight. And I think that's why I'm good at this is because I am a slow poke. Like you would think like you would want to go to the most viral person but mm. I've been able to be consistent throughout all this time. And so I feel like I have insights for people who are not like the most viral personality. Like the majority of people that aren't gonna have their career go off because of that, vir- that virality. I think you are a prime example. Have you heard this quote before? This is one of my favorites that most people overestimate what they can accomplish in one year and they underestimate what they can co- accomplish in five. You're like a prime example of that because like you keep going you're like a workhorse you keep like churning out these things and for most people when new year's comes around they set that goal they're like okay by this time next year i'm gonna do this 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 and then when they don't hit it they just give up because they're like it wasn't gonna be me it was never gonna be me um but had they kept going yeah maybe the first year wouldn't have seen the results maybe the second year wouldn't have seen the results something might have happened that third year and by the fifth year like you know you could be landing on the moon like so different than where you thought you'd be Um, but I think just people tend to have a mix of like, I guess like maybe not establishing their, their expectations, but then Mm -hmm. like expecting the most and then not realizing that like something could happen, like just giving that consistency, the time to play out. Yeah. I'm a process oriented person. And I think, I think a lot of people, especially dentists, if they're using their social media for marketing, they want to see mm. that ROI, right? Like they're putting mm. this in, they want this out, but that's not how social media actually works. It's like you're built, you're building an asset, and um, 
when it comes to social media, it's a little bit different than like the other marketing where they could just throw money at it and it just grows. Like with social media, you have to be consistent. What you're telling people is like, I'm going to be there like tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And there's like a power to that because if mm -hmm. you fall off the face of the planet, then people, it's harder for them to know what to expect from you. But when you, what, when you tell them like, you can expect this from me, that, that makes people like very confident in you and build a, it builds a lot of trust. So like for me, if I, when I hit a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, it was very much like, oh, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to post another video. It's, it's, it's very, like not exciting. I think when I hit 10K, I was the most excited. I was like, oh! But then 15K, 20K, 50, whatever. Like, I didn't, I didn't even expect to still be doing Instagram at 100. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm still doing this. Okay, let's keep going. Um, those the, the milestones are kind of cool because it you can step back and be like, oh, bravo. But the process is what's really fun for me. So like mm. all those videos that flopped, I still like look at those videos and I'm like, these are data points. <laughs> <laughs> like those are cool. And I do the same thing for my cosmetic cases, right? Like every time I do a case, I look at it and I'm like, okay, where, where could I have done this better? Like what was the missed opportunity where I could have done it a little different and how I can do that for the next person because everything is like experience building on mm. experience and like skill stacking and that's how you become like one of a kind is like right now I have the skill of doing social media and doing dentistry and that's what puts mm. me ahead of a lot of other dentists even though there are probably a lot of cosmetic dentists that are even better than me out there but they don't they don't have like the additional skill of the Instagram so like whatever your specific skill set and stack is you just have to make the most of it. I didn't even answer your question. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, what was my question? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I just keep talking. And I'm like, what, what was I talking about? <laughs> so, okay. Another thing. So you mentioned, you know, you discuss viral videos. You have a newsletter that I'm subscribed to. I just love reading newsletters Yay. too. <laughs> and so what I love about yours is that you break down like the anatomy of what made a certain video go viral. It, you know, going viral might not be everyone's prerogative, but if it is your prerogative, I think it's such an excellent resource. What do you think are some, if you could boil it down into like a couple common elements of what makes something or someone go viral? Yeah. Uh, so my newsletter, I break down, I find the viral videos, first of all, mm -hmm. and then I analyze them. Like I do one a week. And interestingly, I'm not a very viral person, right? <laughs> I don't go viral often. You're viral to me. <laughs> Thank you. But like, it's funny because, um, the, the goal of the newsletter isn't actually to go viral, but it's to learn the formats from mm -hmm people who do go viral, because some people, they go viral all the time, every day, and they do the same formats every single time. So when people ask me like, can you give me a template for making videos? I'm like, I cannot because you will be making different videos than me and you need to make it specific for you, otherwise it would be so weird. But here, <laughs> are, but here are formats that are proven that other people do that consistently do well if you can like, if this speaks to you. So that's like what I'm trying to offer people. And also it's like to make 
things fun for them because a lot of dentists are like oh i have to do, i have to post mm. on social media and it's like well actually it could be really fun if you if you look at how like if you deconstruct how people are successful at this so it's bridging the gap between being a dentist and a creator mm. um so i would say the top of viral things is the hook has to be very good for mm. those of you who don't know what hook is it's like the first thing that you say like hook. nobody talks about why blah blah blah, blah. like that makes people <laughs> yeah. want to watch the rest and that's something that I've had to learn too because I, my hooks sucked. And they still mm. actually are not that great, but they're better. <laughs> uh, so that's the hardest the, part the for me. The hook has to be good, the first two seconds of the video. And then the scene, I think, has to change every few seconds. I would say two to three seconds, which is a big mistake that a lot of dentists make because a lot of us do these like talking head videos where we're just mm. sitting there, we turn on the camera and we are explaining something. And what we're saying, there's so much value to what we're saying. And there might've been a time where if you provided just value in that way, then it would be enough. But in today's day and age, nobody's gonna sit and watch you because you're boring. <laughs> so <laughs> it has to like, things need to change and this needs to be different. Every like two to three seconds, something has to change. And there needs to be like somewhat of a storyline. One of the things that I um, try to put in, which I fail at a lot of times, is like creating like curiosity gaps. Mm. Which is like, what's gonna happen next? Which is so hard with dental things, right? <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of things that people do that consistently uh, performs well. It's just a matter of like finding what works for you. And my whole thing is I just like to try the new things and see how it does. And then I like to help people figure out what it is that they, they need to do, even though I'm not going viral myself. <laughs> Okay, you have to give yourself some credit, though. You have to give yourself some credit. I mean, I feel like even though you like you say that your hooks aren't great, I feel like your videos are always so approachable and eye-catching for people that like like anyone off the street can just watch it and then instantly be like, okay, this could apply to me. I think that's the thing that's like tough for us is to like kind of think about what it's like because we come from a place where we're like we know so much, we have so much to give, and we just want to say it, but then your thought is not in the head of like the consumer that's actually watching it and who would actually take away something from it. So you're a social media expert. You're a dental <laughs> expert. I also consider you an Amazon, Costco, and Trader Joe's expert. So <laughs> I wanted to end off this main episode by chatting about what are some of your most recent lifestyle, beauty, food favorites from all of the above? I buy so much stuff on Amazon that it's a sickness. <laughs> Somebody take Amazon away from me. And you know why? It's because it's so easy to return it. What, what are yeah. some of your favorite recent purchases? My chopper, my salad chopper. Oh my chopper. God. Why did I even buy? Yeah, that salad chopper. I'm so glad that you got a new one after it broke. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I saw this on TikTok. You can make an entire salad with a salad chopper and then you can eat the salad in the container so you don't have any dishes to do. And I've literally been eating this salad for over a month, every single day. Like, What have you been putting in it? I put lettuce, tomato, onion, cucumber, chicken, avocado. And mm. then it's like salt and pepper and oil and vinegar. It's basically like, um, if you know what Jersey Mike's is, yeah, like the sub salad kind of. Yes, it's like basically with without the bread. It's like everything mm. that's in there without the Got bread. Got it. Got it. Yes, How about Trader so Joe's? Good. 
Any good finds from Trader Joe's recently? Yes. <laughs> the um, I'm still obsessed with the seaweed snacks. Those are like the mm. best wine wine snacks. Do you drink wine? Mm. I do. What's what's your favorite kind of wine? I drink everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I, I drink it all. Well, honestly, here's the thing. I like wine, but wine doesn't like me. Actually, let me let me rescind that. I like alcohol, but alcohol doesn't like me. Okay, I don't know why. I feel like I like look at your stories. I'm like, man, I wish I could just like enjoy a glass of wine after work, but I just like I feel sick every time after. Did they invent mm. something yet to make us like not feel sick? Because I feel like it's because I'm Asian too. Oh, I don't feel sick. I think it's because you're you're not Korean. Korean people. I know Koreans. <laughs> oh my god, you guys like literally are born with like beer. Like you guys can like handle alcohol. And my Viet friends, my Viet friends like really can handle alcohol. Oh, <laughs> they can drink, but they drink like all the dark stuff. Like Henny. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I'll drink soju. I'll drink tequila. I'll drink wine. Jimmy and I aren't like the typical. Like we don't like go out clubbing and stuff like that. <laughs> Even though we're like of the age when people, I feel like do that. But oh, you have to go. Well, it's because you're, you got him. <laughs> I already have him. I know. I already yeah. found the man I'm going to yell at for the rest of my life. So. <laughs> yes. So going out is a little bit less fun when you have a big rock on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's the point? Because like before I would go out, I'd be like trying to get free drinks and stuff. <laughs> Well, anyways, thank you so much, Joyce, for coming on. For anyone that is listening and, like, lives under a rock, could you just share with them your info and where they can find you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, always on Instagram. I actually, like, really enjoy um, chatting, like, in the DMs and stuff like that. The videos, the videos in the real part, I'm like, okay, that's just part of life. But, like, the stories (laughs) and the DMs, my favorite. Wait, can you break down what you feel like the vibe is different between, like, maybe, like, your Instagram audience versus your YouTube audience versus your TikTok audience? Mm. I'm just curious. Yeah. So I'm on all three platforms. Instagram is my smallest platform at 106, something like that, thousand followers. Um, TikTok, I have, like, 400-something thousand. And then YouTube, I have, like, 400-something thousand. And they're all very different. Very, very different. TikTok, I think, is good for, like, brand awareness because, uh, like, you're more easily found or you show up on people's things and it just requires a sh- sheer, um, more more sheer amount of content. I don't know if I said that right. Like, just more content. Um, so you're more likely to be found, but they're not, like, ride or die for you. Mm. It's, like, the least valuable um, platform. But it's also really fun. <laughs> uh, Instagram is my baby in that, like, I just love Instagram because you can connect with each other and chat with each other. That's where I've formed most of my connections. Connections not meaning, like, networking, but, like, like you, I, I yeah. know Instagram, basically, and I talk to you in the DM. So that's where it's, like, really valuable. It's, like, I meet colleagues and stuff like that, and we, we, we chat it up and we get to know each other. And patience, obviously. Instagram is the number one for driving patients to my practice. Even mm. though you would think like the other ones, they're so much larger, but Instagram is the one that drives like the best patients to my practice. And I don't just say that. Like the patients that come from Instagram, they're like amazing. They are educated enough. They trust you, which is all you can ask for um, when you're doing their smile. They know that you're not going to like mess up their 
teeth and just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, they that's know so true. that you're going to like stand by it. And so that's really valuable for them. YouTube, although I'm growing on YouTube, I will still say that it's the one platform I haven't really dialed myself in with where mm. I know what it takes to grow sub subscribers on YouTube, but those happen to be on my short form videos and mm. my long form is still kind of lagging behind. So I'm still like tweaking a lot of things. The problem with YouTube is that I don't have the time necessarily to like really invest my, my heart and spirit into it. And yeah. so I'm creating content, but I'm not like fully there. And so, um, mm -hmm. The, I think if you can get a YouTube community, those people are very strong because they're watching your videos like 10 minutes of you instead of like little bite-sized fragments. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that my community on YouTube is the strongest because it's grown through shorts. They're actually like, mm -hmm. I think a lot younger people who just like, happen to like watching teeth videos <laughs> but they don't care about me I think the, the goal of social media is like you want to have people who care about you not just like the content that you put out but like ultimately you're successful when they start caring about you as an individual that's like my definition of like what the platform I want to be on I want to be able to garner that sort of connection with people I think that speaks to why Instagram, I mean, Instagram's my favorite too, but I think that speaks to why Instagram is like, feels like the baby and is the favorite is because it's so multifaceted. You get to chat in the DMs, you get to see on the stories your day to day, and then you see on the, the in-feed, honestly, I barely even scroll through anymore. It's more I'm like, every day I'm curious, like, ooh, like, what's someone's morning cup of coffee order today? And you know, like that kind of stuff. But have you been enjoying your newsletter? I, I yeah. like the newsletter, um... It's a different vibe, hmm. for sure. I'm not a writer, so that's why I do the videos still in the newsletter. <laughs> yeah. But um, newsletter, so like, here's the thing is I grew my email list a long time ago, but you, mm. you have to keep nurturing the, the email list. Otherwise, the emails go cold, and if you start to email them again, it bounces. So... Oh. When I decided to start the newsletter, I was almost like starting from scratch, even though I had like almost like 1,200 emails of people from before when I, mm. I think I gathered a lot of those emails when I was doing webinars during COVID and like, mm. um, I wrote a book, kind of like a PDF book on Instagram a long time ago and people signed up for that. So I had tons of emails, but they go cold. So you have to be consistent as with like so Instagram and podcasting and all that, like you have to be consistent with the frequency that you send out those newsletters. But I think it's really important to have a newsletter if you have the capacity for it, because like we don't own any of our platforms like Instagram and all that. And so like if Instagram went away, then I would still have people on my email list. And of course, it's not a lot of emails. Not not a hundred six thousand people worth, but still, it's something that you own and you dictate, and you don't like. You don't have to be the the. I think we talk about like the monkey on Instagram. Like you're putting mm -hmm. out what you truly desire to put out. Whereas with Instagram, the algorithms are always changing, and you're always chasing something. You're always acting different because that's what's expected. And 
um, that's kind of annoying, right? Like it's honestly, so there's other things that we probably should pay attention to. I'm paying attention <laughs> to the algorithm, you know, yeah. <laughs> but um, not everybody like it's, it's really stupid to be, to be doing that actually, but it's just like part of my job now. So yeah. having something that's your own, that you make all the rules, it's like owning your own practice, right? <laughs> like it's something that you, it's just for you. And the people that get your newsletter, they are there for you. I think that's something so powerful in this day and age. It almost feels like with social media, you could be just shouting into a void because it feels like, you know, everyone's just like shouting into this. We're all just shouting into this void. So to have a space where like people intentionally and you can tell when they're like opening your newsletters and like they signed up and also in the email space, I feel like you're not competing with all these other like posts that are coming up right after your post. It's like it's it's just a better real estate for you to share your ideas it's like you and then it's like a bath and body works coupon and you know so like your your stuff stands out more it's a it's very valuable real estate like emails are worth a lot um i'm running ads for my instagram course so all all the people yeah it's just i ideally i would make an instagram to sell my instagram course (laughs) that would make sense i'm just tapped out on my capacity and so i just said run ads it's it's it just takes up money, but it's like if somebody buys a course, it, it it's like an ever-revolving thing. But by doing that, I'm getting emails from dentists. And mm. um, the email list is growing because I'm running ads for my other things. So it like all kind of goes together. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of speaks to the whole like 80% thing. It's like it would be great if you could make an Instagram page for the Instagram course. But you know what? Just making the course itself is getting that... 80% done it's okay if like we can't do that extra 20% to what what we were talking about earlier the, the ideal way that we mm-hmm. want I am going through a bit of like new grad growing pains in that now I mean well I'm also just trying to survive every day <laughs> and like adapting to the whole nine to five thing is different um but I'm just going through new grad growing pains of being like you know my whole brand before was I feel like being vulnerable and making fun of myself and now I'm like patients don't want to see someone that's making fun of their work so I'm like how do I have translate that to someone that's competent and confident while also still being me because I love to poke fun at myself you know that's so that's like such a good thing to put out there because like it's so hard I see I see most new grads like you know I used to teach so like I follow a lot of you know yeah (laughs) Uh, when they graduate they they fall off the face of the planet because they're so in their head about like okay in dental school this type of content did well for me but now I am a new dentist and at first they like they post all these things like oh I graduated I got a new job blah 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 then they're in the job and they like disappear off the face of the planet because they realize I still have so much to learn. Like, I don't really know what I'm, am I truly like an expert to be putting stuff out there that's educational? And they like get in a, like a little bit bit of a mind funk. And sometimes Mm. they'll emerge to post like some of the old stuff they used to do because it still resonates with them. But Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to like bridge that gap to be like, okay, well now I am a serious dentist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's, I see it. I see it. And it's, it's a it's a hurdle for like everybody but it's in the same vein it's kind of like I think in the first podcast I did with you a long time ago mm-hmm. I we talked about like at a certain point you call yourself a cosmetic dentist like right <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a very self-given name because there's no mm-hmm. actual technical 
qualifications that you need to have to be a cosmetic dentist. And so by default, a lot of people do call themselves like a general in cosmetic dentist, like lumping it together. But mm-hmm. when you're actually like a, a cosmetic dentist, you do cosmetic dentistry like pretty much every day. And mm. to, to get to that place, which is where a lot of people do want to go, you have to start calling yourself a cosmetic dentist, even preemptively before you get to that place. And so right. that's sort of like new, new, new grads growing pains too. Like there's a little bit of like, like what's the next step or what's appropriate, like measuring out what's appropriate as a new grad to be the next step. Cause you don't want to like, you already have so many eyeballs on you. That's the thing. Some of my patients like honestly don't use social media, which I kind of prefer. And that's probably why I honestly haven't shared too much about where I work and stuff. I like having that separation of, of church and state, but it is definitely interesting because like my team, before I met a lot of my team members, I would meet them for the first time and they'd be like, oh, I listened to your episode. And I'm like, oh my God, you listen to all my stupid jokes. And I'm like, you know how like silly I am. Um, but then I like it because it's given me permission to, I'm like, okay, they already know who I am and what I'm about then. So I can just mm-hmm. totally be myself at work. They already know what to expect. I feel like that's why it's important to me to be transparent about how I feel because yeah, a patient could hear this and be like, oh, she's not confident all the time. That's news. But honestly, if I did my job well of presenting myself transparently, they, they know what they're getting when they see me at an appointment. I'm not afraid to admit like, you know, there's a lot going on in this FMX. I'm going to take some time to digest this and then formulate the right treatment plan for you. And then I'll come to you. Yeah. Like, I feel like they, they get me where I'm coming from. So it's not any, I think that's that different. so, so good. So, so like, you're so mature. <laughs> I mean, on my stories, I still talk about how I struggle with confidence, like this many years down. So it's like, when will you start to emerge as yourself? on social media and have it translate in a professional setting too. Yeah. And my patients actually, like, just to let you know, my patients that follow me on, a lot of patients follow me on social media and they see me talking about these things and Mm. they have nothing but nice things to say. Like, Mm. it makes you like a real person. A human, Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's what they want to see. Like, they've, a lot of them tell me like, they don't want to go to somebody who doesn't like listen or doesn't think about these mm. things. Like just the fact that you think about these things, it's like really nice for them to know. So if I think the way that you do, like, I know you will figure out a good way to do it. That is true to you. That speaks, you know, well of you as it should, because you are a conscientious, thoughtful doctor, um, mm-hmm. but translates well to patients as well. Oh, thank you. That means so much coming for you, honestly. <laughs> Why um, do you say that? <laughs> No, it does. I think I just look up to you so much because you've just, I think this is the power of social media is we've been following each other forever. We've literally Mm -hmm. been following each other since like, I remember I, you were teaching um, and I was like a pre-dent interviewing for schools when we first still followed each other. So we've just seen so much transformation together. So Mm -hmm. anyways, Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Oh my god, you guys, editing Connie here. So Joyce and I were like gabbing for so long and then we were just chatting and then we actually forgot to film an outro. So um, anyways, here's my outro. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Also look out on Friday. She answered a chief complaints with me. So we're giving Jimmy a, Jimmy a little break this week from chief complaints, but uh, we'll be back for that soon. And yeah, anyways, look out for Joyce's chief complaints with me. Other than that, I hope you guys have an awesome week and I'll see you guys on Friday. Bye.